0: idea the avengers initiative i'm gonna do this all day I'm a
1: superhero i've come to bargain i
0: love
2: you that's my secret Captain.
0: i'm always angry you should have gone for the head and i Sam, why is Gamora?
1: iron man we
2: Welcome to Marvel Standom. I'm your host, Alec Bojalid, and in this episode, we are continuing our previous conversation about what MCU fans can expect in 2024. This episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay. More on them a little bit later. Without further delay, let's jump right back into the discussion with myself and pop culture writer Joe George. Um, but now, yeah, let's look ahead to 2024. And it's shaping up to be a much smaller slate of projects compared to this year. We are getting the first one very early on, though, because January 10th, but technically January 9th is when it actually premieres on Disney Plus, is the entire first season of Echo. What are you looking forward to from Echo?
1: I mean, I love uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk. I I love um, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I, I did like what little bit of echo I saw. She was really, uh, really good. I like echo from the comics, all of that. But to be honest, weirdly, the thing that I'm really looking forward to is the opposite of what I thought I would be, which is I'm kind of looking forward to the Netflix style. I, I got burned out on the Netflix uh TV shows. Didn't even watch iron fist season two because they felt so forced in their episode length and their style. But and I went into the the Disney plus being like yeah they're gonna do it right this time but now after watching so many Disney plus TV shows I'm like man just give me people in a hallway beating people up <laughs> in nasty ways and that I will be so happy so I hope that's what it is
2: that's what it looks like from the trailer yeah in an era in which you know a lot of the Marvel movies are shot on the or aforementioned green screen um like that level of physicality sounds really appealing and, and that's the, the, the first trailer for this seems to have a lot of punches that land. Yes. A lot of punches and kicks that, that find flesh and blows. of uh, Flesh and bone. So good. Um, so I, I'm actually more excited for Echo than I thought I would be. Like Marvel, I... I Maybe I'm just a rube, but Marvel has successfully sold me on the fact that this is, you know, a different kind of thing, a Marvel spotlight, if you will. Yeah. Not as obsessed with the ongoing continuity, not as obsessed with CGI, Um, kind of a more fun street level story like like Daredevil. We have to be ready to be disappointed because it very much could happen. Um, Nope. Lucy's holding the football this time. I know <laughs> yeah, it's going to connect. Yeah. But I, I will say that trailer hits like the, the, the trailer they released is actually quite good. Yes. Uh, and the, the actor is a, a, a Lockwood Cox. Thank you. Also kind of, I'm pretty excited about the, like the native American representation angle as well. Um, yeah. The coming from a white guy, this almost sounds like, you know, I'm collecting Pokemon cards or whatever Just But like, yes. I've learned a lot about, uh, Native American culture through pop culture this year like yes. with like Reservation Dogs and like Killers of the Flower Moon um you never want to say that like someone's culture is like a particular flavor of the week obviously but i've just yes. personally like i've learned a lot and i'm excited to continue learning uh, yes. in Echo cuz
1: it seems like they've done the homework i mean there's two cast members from Reservation Dogs in Echo which is Gonna fill that hole in my heart, which I'm excited about. But I mean, I hear what you're saying because I find myself also as a white dude um, saying similar sorts of things. I mean, it kind of goes back to, we just, we need as many different types of stories as as we can get it out there. You know, people like you and I, we don't need any more representation. (laughs) Um, And also even we get sick of looking at our own stupid faces so much, believe it or not. Um, And so there's just something... So wonderful, especially coming into a genre that has been so dominated by people like us to to get even even if it's hitting the same genre beats, the very fact that it's coming from a different perspective is enriching even for those of us that aren't getting representation feelings out of it. It's just like, oh, awesome. You're breathing new life into this thing that I love and giving me a different look at it. So, yeah, I'm absolutely excited about it on those terms as well.
2: All right, so after Echo, we're going to have
1: X-Men 97. How do you feel about this? Okay, so I watched the original X-Men cartoon as a child, um, and I loved it back in the early 90s when superhero stuff was more or less confined to bat nipples on you know, the Batman movies and comic books. That was essentially, and a pretty good Flash TV show. One of my nephews has been going through re-watching all that X-Men cartoon. And when we visited them a few weeks ago, we watched a couple of them. It should stay, I, I'm glad it's hitting for him because I want him to get into the X-Men. But for me, it feels like th- this is definitely a product of the 90s. Definitely the lesser superhero cartoon compared to Batman, the animated series. And so I am worried Twofold here. I'm worried about them going too much to nostalgia plays. It's not cool it, to see X Men cartoons doing like weird comic book dives anymore, like it was in the 90s, because we get that so much. We just saw binary on the big screen. And then, secondly, as an X Men fan, I want new X Men in the MCU, not Not the Fox X-Men, not the cartoon X-Men, because those all had flaws that we don't have anymore. So if you are excited about X-Men 97, then Godspeed, I understand. But I am not for those reasons. And don't you freaking tell me. It's because I don't understand what it was like to watch those shows. Because I high-fived my brother on the couch when I saw Havoc pop up in a future episode of that. I... I know this stuff, and that's not speaking to me. This nostalgia. You know what's funny is when they announced this, I was like,
2: "Whoa, so cool!" <laughs> I <It> was like, <laughs> a "Great idea." And then I realized, like, I, I barely watched that show, um, <laughs> and I've not like I've not read an X Men comic, and I know very little about X Men because my my movie consumption is limited to the MCU itself. Yeah. So. I'm worried that it is just purely a nostalgia play because the nostalgia worked on me and I'm not even nostalgic for it. Um, I just thought it that was such a creative idea at the time, but now thinking about it, I don't know. Oh. Um, I really don't know what to, what to expect from this. I don't even feel like as someone who did not really, I, I was more of a Batman animated series guy um, and even the Spider-Man one more so Oof. than X-Men. That one's rough. I don't even feel like it's my business to comment on this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just, I don't know.
1: See how it goes. <laughs> i got nothing yeah, else Check to. your privilege, not dork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alec from the future here, just
2: popping in because it's time to showcase some great Marvel comics, which you can find right now on ebay.com, the sponsor of today's episode.
0: eBay is the premier destination for collecting comics both old and new. Whether it's that highly sought-after iconic comic, or an obscure niche that speaks directly to you, odds are you'll certainly find it on eBay. Here's a list of comics that are must-haves for any fan of Peter David. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 103 Peter David got his start working in various corporate departments at Marvel, but his first comics work appeared in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 103. At first glance, there's little indication that the story will launch the career of one of comics' most important writers. It's a pretty silly story about a bunch of snotty college students creating a villain persona to mess with Peter. But even at this early stage, one can hear David's distinctive voice coming through. The story features catchy one-liners and pop culture references, including a knowing link to Bruce Wayne's origin. Most readers probably skipped over the story back in 1985 but any fan of Peter David will definitely want to check it out. The Incredible Hulk 377 Peter David has written most Marvel characters but his most significant contribution was to the Hulk thanks to a run that lasted over 12 years. During David's books, readers learn about Bruce Banner's relationship with his abusive father and the connection between his fractured psyche and the various forms of the Hulk. That psychological approach reached its zenith with Incredible Hulk 377. Like X-Factor 87, Incredible Hulk 337 features a therapy session between Banner and Leonard Samson, during which the psychologist explores the various parts of the Hulk's identity. The result is a combined psyche and a new Hulk, one that MCU fans have met and already love – Professor Hulk. Captain Marvel 1 Although it rarely gets talked about with the same reverence as the Hulk and X Factor, Peter David's run on Captain Marvel stands among the best Marvel books of all time. David's first take on the character took a sitcom-esque approach, playing up the buddy comedy between the new Captain Marvel, Janice Bell, taking over the role and sharing a body with regular human Rick Jones. But in the 2002 series, David positions Rick as a conscience for Janice Bell, who is going mad because of his newly acquired cosmic awareness. The series is superhero storytelling at its best, combining high-stakes action, character-driven melodrama, and hints of humor. X-Factor Volume 3 1. It was well-received among critics, but Peter David's X-Factor run was overshadowed by the X-Men and X-Force. The run's popularity only grew over time though, leading to David's return to the characters with the 2004 miniseries Madrox. The popularity of Madrox, in which David took a noir approach to his standout character Jamie Madrox, The Multiple Man, led to a relaunch of X Factor, reimagining the team as a detective agency. This new X Factor does feature beloved characters from David's original X Factor run, namely Madrox, Strong Guy and Wolfsbane. But rather than settle for a mere nostalgia play, David further develops the characters by adding new team members. More importantly, X Factor Volume Three features some of David's best writing, equal parts shocking plot developments and grounded character development. Starter, expand your Marvel collection today at eBay.com. And now back to the show.
2: The biggest release. For Marvel in 2024 and maybe the biggest release in a long time because a lot's going to be riding on this mm-hmm. is Deadpool 3 which as of now I think is still slated to come out this could have changed 14 times by the time we started this episode <laughs> but as of now I think it's slated for July 26th oh boy
1: uh, this is a big one how do you feel about Deadpool 3 you you need to go first on this one okay, because I have strong you... feelings
2: I I feel like I know what your strong feelings are. I'm a little concerned. So like Marvel, they need a win. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need a win, especially on the movie side of things. They need a win with an established character, which Deadpool is. They need a win with some of the Fox properties they acquired, which Deadpool is. They need a win with uh, the multiverse saga, which Deadpool will do a brilliant Deadpool 3 can like fix everything (laughs) like a Deadpool 3 that addresses all of those elements that addresses the X-Men that addresses the old Fox properties and like incorporates them into the MCU that's like fun and entertaining and makes a trillion dollars it just it fixes everything like everything is fine and I just do not believe that we live in a world in which that's going to happen. I just can't see it happening. So what is your, t- have you, have you uh, built up your level, the level of ire needed to, to go here? Yes.
1: Oh yes, I have. Um, I just wanted somebody to say something somewhat positive before I go into it. So first of all, I do not like Deadpool, did not like Deadpool before he was played by Ryan Reynolds. Definitely don't like him after he's played by Ryan Reynolds, um, I find those movies tedious and and not funny in any regard. I don't like that. I think Sean Levy is a terrible director. <laughs> it's one thing when when Marvel gets somebody like Peyton Reed who has directed many great TV episodes and anybody who hasn't seen Down With Love is missing out, great movie, and then kind of squeeze him into the Marvel mold. That's a bummer. But what do you do with somebody who has absolutely no talent whatsoever? And that's Sean Levy. So I hear what you're saying about a perfect Deadpool movie could do all those things. It's not gonna happen with Ryan Reynolds and his one joke style and Sean Levy as a yes man. I mean, maybe Kevin Feige will realize he needs to step in and lay a heavier hand. Usually I'm against that. But when these creatives are not creative, like Ryan Reynolds and and Sean Levy, then I, uh, Feige's the most creative man in the room and, and I would rather follow his lead. There's all of that. There's the... I'm so sick of the multiverse stuff. Um I say this as somebody who usually loves multiverse, but that's that's not a plot in and of itself and they're treating it like it's a plot. And then there's the X-Men thing again. How much can I say here about set pictures that we've seen?
2: As say go for it. I don't, okay. So I don't you, care. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you're taking your life in your hands.
1: Oh, they hate me anyway already at this point because Apparently I'm not enough of a fan to have known what Deadpool was before Ryan Reynolds put on his anyway. Yeah, I I had that new mutants issue with him and Gideon. So don't come at me with your nonsense. Set pictures have shown us him fighting uh Tyler Main's Cybertooth, uh, saber Sabretooth, not Cybertooth. Uh Cyber would be cool. Green movies. green scream and cybertooth. <laughs> yep, that's right. New vernacular the new English starts here, everybody. Um it, we, Tyler Mayne's Sabretooth, who he played Sabretooth in the original X-Men from 2000. But then we've also seen like James Marsden dressed up as Cyclops, but not the Fox movie Cyclops, the cartoon Cyclops. And Hugh Jackman's walking around in uh, Wolverine's costume, but the cartoon costume, not the – and this – my problem here is that, again, they keep going back to old X-Men. We don't need that. Best case scenario for me is that this movie satisfies all the people who want to see Jennifer Garner as Elektra again, which is insane. We're not going to pretend like that was a good movie or either the Daredevil or Elektra movie or that she was good in them. But that'll satisfy them. It'll satisfy the people who think that they want X-Men cartoons. And at the end of the movie, they will be gone and... We will be. We will get everything cleared for proper X-Men to come in. Because the MCU needs the X-Men at this point. They are one of the most dynamic and interesting Marvel properties. They're one of the more notable Marvel properties. And we have never gotten proper X-Men outside of the comics. And this is a chance to do it. But all of this... All of this stuff that they're this these cheap nostalgia ploys are so frustrating and I have no faith and the the best that's going to happen with that in my opinion is that Ryan Reynolds is going to look at the camera and say something about how you know he's playing nostalgia and it's all back again. I hope that Deadpool 3 is enjoyable but as somebody who has never really enjoyed much Deadpool stuff in any form I am not looking forward to this being my only MCU movie this year.
2: I think they're screwed. You mentioned it being the only MCU movie this year. Um, it's just a lot to put on Deadpool. Like mm-hmm. Deadpool, the, the whole concept is that it's, you know, he's part of the canon and they're fun action movies, but it's also like almost like a, a midstream satire of what MC, the MCU is doing. And like they need him in that movie to accomplish a lot more like heavy lifting, serious things than I think that c- character or concept is capable of. This sounds like a hot take, but I kind of like, I, I kind of believe it. Like if we see the Marvel's box office as the beginning of the end. I think there's a universe in which Deadpool 3 is like the end of end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the conversations that we would be having uh midsummer next year are somehow even bleaker than the ones we've been having on this episode so far.
1: No, I hope it's good. I hope that I could sit down there and Ryan Reynolds makes me laugh in a way that he never has and that I enjoy it. And it's, it's wonderful.
2: After Deadpool, there's no more movies, but there are a couple of TV shows, the first of which... Again, if all the scheduling holds true because they changed this stuff on a whim. And speaking of changing stuff on a whim, the show coming up next is currently, as far as we know, titled Agatha Darkhold Diaries. Um, It is, I've seen online, I don't know how trustworthy the source is. And I probably should have looked into it further before I came on this episode. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I've seen some reports that it's it's changed its name to Agatha all along. Uh, I've heard that too. Yeah, you know. Yeah. previous what were the previous sales? We had Coven of Chaos. Coven
1: of Chaos, yeah.
2: Um, there's been four, so we have Ag- Agatha all along. Agatha Darkhold Diaries, Agatha Coven of Chaos, Agatha House of Harkness. That was the. Oh first. wow! I didn't, I didn't catch that one. That was the first. Okay. Um, yeah. What's your What are your thoughts on whatever this is going to be called? I love Catherine Hahn. I do too. There we go. <laughs>
1: I'm always going to take more of her.
2: Cleveland Heights, Ohio native, Catherine Hahn. I've been beaten down enough by like the 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 traditional MCU TV offerings at this point that like for as ridiculous as it sounds, for as silly as the titles are, for as stupid as the concept of a WandaVision spin off is in the first place, I, I'm starting to slowly see the appeal of returning to this world. And, like, speaking of, like, set photos, like, some set photos have dropped from this, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't look as apocalyptically bad as I feared. <laughs> like, I think, like, um, I have a hard time imagining a world in which this is, like, a really fresh, interesting, creative TV yeah. show. Um, But I am starting to get to that point where, like, I felt good when WandaVision was on. Maybe I'll feel good when Agatha's back on <laughs> so we'll see <laughs> just let me feel something <laughs> I'm just trying to feel good again
1: <laughs> yeah I mean my only real reservation is that they're going to try to do a multiverse with this since Darkhold has been established as such a multiverse thing now in the comics as well as in, as in the MCU if you just give me Katherine Hahn messing with people for 30 minutes I'm going to be happy don't try to make it anything more than that. Just just tell a satisfying story and wonderful. That's all I want.
2: Yeah, I'm in on that. And then finally, we have another to close out 2024, as far as we're aware of, <laughs> is another TV series that has undergone a recent title change. I believe currently we're looking at uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Yes, but the original title was Spider-Man Freshman Year which I actually kind of prefer. I like that. I like too. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts
1: on, we'll just call it that then. They can't look, they can't stop us. They can't stop us. We're not getting, believe it or not, commenters, we're not being paid yeah. by Kevin Feige or Disney or anyone else. What when do you think didn't... of the show that's definitely called Spider-Man freshman <laughs> year? I'm excited about it. Now, Tom Holland's not doing the voice, right? It's the same guy that does the voice yeah. of Peter and the, and the thing, which I thought he was fine. I'm excited about this because Spider-Man is the best superhero of all time. So it's hard uh, to mess up Spider-Man completely. So I I will enjoy something with it. And um, secondly, because it sounds so dumb, but there are questions about the MCU Spider-Man that haven't been answered. Like, does he have an Uncle Ben? Um, I, I think they did kind of answer that one. Or what was it like when he first got bit by a radioactive spider? And I appreciate the way the MCU Spidey kind of skipped over the traditional origin story initially, but now I'm ready. I wanna see, I wanna see more of, of uh Spider-Man's first days. And my biggest bummer, besides the fact that the movie wasn't very good coming out of Spider-Man No Way Home, is that he's losing that supporting cast. Because my favorite thing about the MCU Spider-Man movies has been, you know, Ned Leeds, Betty Brandt, uh, Flash Thompson, you know, just that that cool high school milieu that those took place in. And so if this gives me more of that, even if it's not the same actors doing the voices, I I would like that. So I'm excited about the Spider-Man freshman year. That's what it's called. That's a long ass title. <laughs> um yeah, I completely agree with like
2: that supporting cast thing because when I think about it, uh of the Tom Holland Spider-Mans, I think my favorite one remains homecoming. Okay. And I think it just comes down to how like unabashedly young they are in yes. that. I love I just love that they're high schoolers. They're just flat out kids. Yep. Um and that really works in that movie, and I suspect it'll really work here. Uh, I am hoping so. if if only they had kept that original title um (laughs) well joe i think that's actually about it for there might be some more stuff that sneaks in there i think they were talking about maybe getting eyes of wakanda that uh the animated show in for 2024 maybe um i find that hard to believe being that it's animated um and who knows half the stuff might have been bumped to 2025 by the time we finish this episode I am confident that we have successfully talked about 2023 and 2024 satisfactorily. Satisfactorily, we are um, writers for a living. I know. <laughs> I I don't think I have said a word correctly once this entire episode. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts on the Marvel year that was?
1: Other than that, like it kind of sucked for a lot. <laughs> I mean, I do want to end with this: that yes, I'm disappointed with some of this stuff, but. I am so pot committed in superheroes in general. I've loved these characters before the MCU existed. I will love them after it dies down. And honestly, as much fun as it has been living in a world where people know who Groot and Rocket Raccoon and Black Panther are, um, I the characters will go on after the MCU dies. And so I don't honestly have that much investment in at all in Disney making more money. Um, So although we're talking about this in terms of the the MCU there, I would encourage those who are a little bit bummed about where things are going that say, Hey, it it was, we had a beautiful run where everybody loved this stuff and now they're going to love something else. But that doesn't mean that you can't still love these things. And it doesn't mean that you can't be disappointed with lackluster entries for every bad you know, secret invasion story. There's a tons of great Skrull and Nick Fury stories out there. So, you know, love more than the corporate property (laughs) that can die and will die. And that's okay.
2: That's it for 2023. And uh, that's it for us. This is our last show of the year. First of all, thank you,
1: Joe George. Thank you, Joseph. What's your middle initial? Anthony, and I'm a second. Ooh. So I want the whole thing. You you know, throw the doctor on there if we're going to be all. I want that this time. Okay,
2: thank you, Dr. Joseph Anthony George II, uh, for walking us through the MCU today. I am Mr. Alec George <laughs> the first. Uh Thanks to everybody for watching Marvel Standom. Uh, remember to check out our web home of denofgeek.com for all your Marvel coverage. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at DenOfGeek. You can follow us on Twitter, which some people say is called X now, but it's not, at Den of Geek US, and Twitch and TikTok at Den of Geek TV. Uh, from all of us at Marvel Standom and Den of Geek at large, we wish you happy holidays, a happy new year, and a happily ever after. This has been Marvel Standom on the Den of Geek Network, and remember to be good to each other and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Marvel Standom, produced by Andrew Halley, Kirsten Howard, and Joe George. Hosted by Kirsten Howard. Editing and graphics by Andrew Halley. Social media coordinator, Lee Parham. Additional artwork by Chloe Lewis. Production assistant, Michael R. Music licensed from Soundstripe.com. Marvel Standom is a production of the Den of Geek Network. For more information, visit denofgeek.com.